The Gospel reading for this morning comes from John's Gospel, beginning in the 12th chapter at the first verse. And John wrote these things. Six days before Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus, so recently raised from the dead, was living. Lazarus and his sisters invited Jesus to dinner at their home. Martha served. Lazarus was one of those sitting at the table with them, and Mary came in with a jar of very expensive aromatic oils, anointed and massaged Jesus' feet, and then wiped them with her hair. And the fragrance of the oils filled the house. Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, even then getting ready to betray him, said, Why wasn't this oil sold and the money given to the poor? It would have easily brought 300 silver pieces. And he said this not because he cared two cents about the poor, but because he was a thief. He was in charge of their common funds, but he also embezzled them. And Jesus said, let her alone. She's anticipating and honoring the day of my burial. You always have the poor with you. You don't always have me. And word got out among the Jews that he was back in town. And the people came to take a look, not only at Jesus, but also at Lazarus, who had been raised from the dead. So the high priests plotted to kill Lazarus because so many of the Jews were going over and believing in Jesus on account of him. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Pray with me, please. O oh God, your love poured out in Jesus invests us with strength the world cannot offer. So cleanse us from unclean spirits and troubled attitudes that all who are poor, hungry, and grieving may find a new focus for their lives in the ministry we share. May we be true and compassionate that the world might be transformed. Open our ears, our hearts, our minds to your word for us this day. Amen. A woman went with her husband to the doctor. After his checkup, the woman called the woman into his office alone and he said, your husband is suffering from a very serious disease and is combined with some horrible stress. If you don't do the following, your husband will die. Each morning, fix him a healthy breakfast. Be pleasant, and make sure that he's in a good mood. And for lunch, make him a nutritious meal. For dinner, prepare an especially nice meal for him. Don't burden him with chores, as he probably had a hard day. Don't discuss your problems with him. It will only make his stress worse. And most importantly, make love with your husband several times a week. Satisfy his every whim. If you really can be devoted and do this for the next 10 months to a year, I believe your husband will regain his health completely. So on the way home, the husband asked his wife, well, what did the doctor say? 
She said, honey, I'm sorry. But he said, you're going to die. <laughs> now, no one in their right mind really wants to look at death. And though we readily admit that it's a part of life, it's a part of life that we would just rather not talk about and really would rather not have to deal with. When someone in our society dies, we even make up ways of saying it so we don't have to term them as dead. They pass, or they pass away, or they buy the farm, or they cross the Jordan, but no one just plain dies. Instead, we paint a picture of death as people just gliding on into the afterlife as wind blows through the room and rustles the curtains. But no matter how hard we try to conquer it, no matter how we try to cover it up with flowers and gloss it over with comforting words, we cannot avoid the reality of death. As surely as we are born, so we are certain to die. Life as we know it is terminal. Now each of us travels different paths in life. No two are exactly the same. But wherever we go, all our journeys all end up at the same place. And in death, we find true equality. All the marks that distinguished us from others in life, our poverty or our wealth, our power or our insignificance, our faith or our skepticism, are all obliterated in death. So this morning we read a fascinating account of a dinner party. A dinner that took place just a short while before Jesus' own death. And it was at the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, the same Lazarus who was so recently raised from the dead. And the dinner party took place where he was living again. And we're told that Martha served and that Lazarus sat at table with them. And Mary came in with a very expensive jar of oils and anointed Jesus' feet and then wiped them with her hair and the fragrance of the oils filled the house. And Judas questioned Jesus about this. Why not sell the oil and give the money to the poor? And Jesus answered to give it a rest and leave her alone. Because Mary was anticipating and honoring the day of his burial, the poor you will always have with you, you don't always have me. A young boy was overheard asking his playmate, wouldn't you hate to wear glasses all the time? No, came the answer. Not if I had some like my grandma's. She always sees when people are tired or sad, and she knows what to do to make them feel better. And one day I asked her how she could see that way all the time, and she told me that it was the way that she had learned to look at things as she got older. So after thinking for a minute, the first boy concluded, yeah, I guess you're right. It must be her glasses. You know, Jesus asks that we see the world through a completely different set of glasses. We still inhabit a world in which natural resources are not fairly distributed. We still inhabit a world where people have no food, no medicine, no easy access to potable water. 
where stocks and bonds and profit and loss statements are so far from the everyday worlds of the third world countries that we must constantly reach back. We need to figure out ways to empower the powerless. We need to build a world where everyone can enjoy the moment, where there is a food supply and medicine and potable water are available to all, where the things that bind us together as human beings are celebrated, rather than always looking for different ways to debate each other where we can delight in different cultures rather than feel threatened by them, where we will lay aside our pursuit of more destruction and find avenues of building up other areas of the world we inhabit. Jesus indeed calls us to put on different glasses, glasses that celebrate peacemaking and justice seeking, glasses that encourage all of us to live fully in the moment the lesson of today's dinner party is that this moment is all that we have. Now Mary gave everything she had saved to Jesus. Her gift of costly anointing was her willingness to go all in at the moment. I think she understood the mantra of today that love is all you need. It is always enough. And I think it comes down to a question of priority. Of all the things that you can do for God, the first priority is love. I think that kind of extravagance, that display by Mary, shamed Judas. She gave everything that she could give in that moment. It shamed the disciples, and it probably should shame us today. Because Jesus told us to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your souls and with all your mind and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And I feel like I can do that. I can love God some of the time. I can even love you. Well, most of you, that is. <laughs> but all... You often hear people say things like, well, we don't expect you to be a rocket scientist or anything. We just want you to live up to your potential. So I ask you here this morning, who here lives up to his or her potential? Who here uses all of the resources of your body, mind, or spirit? The reality of life is that we are people of divided loyalties. Most of us do not give all of ourselves to anything or anyone. Not to our work, not to our families, not to our health, not even to God. How can we? So many things claim our attention and energy. How can we do something, even anything, even love God with all that we are? Measured against our potential, we all fall short. We all live in partial fulfillment of our potential to learn, to think, to love. What I do, I do partially. What God does, God does totally. And what God does is love. 
Jesus is asking us to love God with all that we are in the moment because that is how we are loved by God. And to love as God loves always involves risk. The only person that I know who loved that fully, that completely, the only person that I know who truly loved others as he loved himself found himself on a cross. Because love is ultimately an act of self-giving. And if we're honest, most of us just simply do not wish to give ourselves away. Joyce Rupp wrote a book entitled Praying Your Goodbyes. And the book begins with the author recalling how she felt when her brother died. It was her first hard experience of loss. And then she talks about the other losses in her life and the losses in the lives of people that she has known and counseled. And life, she concludes, is a pilgrimage in which we are consistently losing loved ones and possessions, and at the same time encountering new people and acquiring new possessions. I think this is important. Life is a pilgrimage of having and letting go, of letting go and finding new things to replace old ones. Because, folks, people and things ultimately do not belong to us. They're not ours to keep. We aren't permitted to own or hold on to anything forever. We only enjoy it and then celebrate it and then ultimately let it go. The parents you had, they're only on loan. The job you had, the house you lived in, friends you knew in that former city, they're all on loan. You loved them, you felt pain when you let them go, but you couldn't hold on to them. You can still love them, love does not perish, but you cannot have them. You cannot reproduce them. You can only go on meeting and enjoying people and things that come into your life now. And someday you must let them go as well. Because most everything that we hold dear is all on loan. It's a temporary arrangement that enriches our life for a while and then is gone. Our loved ones, the fruits of our trees, they're not our possessions to hoard away for our own use. Life is to be lived, enjoyed, shared in community with all the sinners that God brings this sinner's way. The joy is in the journey together. Ours is not to build walls to isolate us one from the other or to attempt to hold on to some temporary wealth. Ours is to model as best we can the timelessness of God's love for us. For in the end, these wonderful philosophers once said, the love you take is equal to the love you make. And love is all you need.